from Birmingham, Alabama. You're listening to the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. I'm your host, Gary Furr, and I'm so glad to have you with me today. Whether you're sitting in your favorite chair or riding along in the car, I'm glad we're going to get to spend this time together. Well, the season of Lent has begun. Lent comes from an old English word for spring that refers to the fact that the uh, days begin to lengthen at this time. And just like Advent in the Christian calendar is a time of preparation toward the birth of Christ, Lent is the season of confession and repentance to prepare for Easter. In the earliest times of the Christian church, it was a time of preparation, sometimes for Christians to suffer on behalf of their faith, but it was a time of preparation for baptism. It is a time to do spiritual preparation 40 days prior to Easter, excluding the Sundays, which are always considered to be occasions of joy because of the resurrection. But Lent begins on a Wednesday called Ash Wednesday from the ancient custom of putting ashes on the forehead to show repentance and sorrow. It's often a somber service, and it symbolizes the 40 days and nights in which Moses was separated from the children of Israel while receiving the law on Sinai, the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness, and the 40 days of Jesus' temptations. And so all of those things call for a kind of seriousness and People often kind of kid around about giving up chocolate or carbonated beverages or something like that. But Lent really is a part of this ongoing rehearsing of the church story. So that every year in the more liturgical churches, the Jesus story is gone through in the structuring of time. So it's a way of remembering that story. You go wandering through the past again, remembering the story. And unlike more evangelical and fundamental Protestants who sort of see the Bible in a very different way, uh, as though all we have to do, it's uh, sometimes kind of looked at like a uh, jigsaw puzzle. If we just put it together right, we can get all the answers to life. But in the longer tradition of the Christian faith, it is seen as a very full and rich tradition, and we are invited to spend time rummaging around. You know, I was a reluctant garage sale attender. My wife, Vicki, always would go and buy things, usually for other people, our kids and grandkids, and sometimes to buy things for people who needed something or somebody was maybe uh, starting over and... They needed some furnishings, and so I would go along with her just to kind of help out operating as something between an Uber driver and a temporary loader when needed. And sometimes I'd get out, but often I'd sit in the car while she cruised through looking for hidden treasures. And often those treasures depended on the eye of the beholder and what they were looking for at that moment. So her expertise is knowing the value of things in life in the context of what is needed So, when we first moved to Birmingham, we cruised garage sales for a while on Saturdays, especially while the children were going through college. 
They were always in need of some affordable item that would fit into their latest nightmare of an apartment in the high crime area where they were living at the time. And from time to time, this landed us at estate sales. Now, as far as my ignorant knowledge informs me, there are levels of these sales of pre-owned items. Yard sales seem lower to me than garage sales. I don't really know why, except gives me the vibe of someone who can't afford a garage. So crappier stuff, I don't know. Estate sales, of course, offered the most. Someone usually wound up in the cemetery or assisted living before an estate sale came to be. And often someone is hired, even a full-time professional, to come and manage the dissolution of nearly all of someone's life possessions. Really old books, valuable furnishings, everything up for sale. Well, I hit the mother load at one of these when Reverend John Claypool, uh, a dear friend, late the late John Claypool, ministerial model for me and many others, but he downsized when he was an Episcopal rector here in town, and he was at St. Luke's in Mountain Brook. So, at any rate, I'd gone along with my wife and two friends to this sale, not knowing whose it was. I was reluctant until the estate sale guide came out and said that this was the Reverend John Claypool and much of his library was being done away with. And so uh, I walked away with a grocery bag of books, several of them actually, treasures that few of us would really value, theological stuff. And I almost knocked a Pentecostal woman down next to me as we were looking through there, she was looking for happy books on the spirit and the victorious life, and she had no clue that this was a library of a man of a great theological substance and intellectual depth. And so I shoveled books in faster than she could reach for them, books by H. Wheeler Robinson and Ralph Elliott and Rudolf Bultmann and out-of-print editions of biblical studies and theology with his notes in the margin, some of those notes finding themselves in sermons later on. Now, an estate sale's better than epitaphs because it kind of summarizes a life. One leadership exercise I went through, suffered through one time, invited us to write our own epitaphs, and I struggled with that. How do you reduce your life to one sentence? Especially one that will fit on a marble slab, the size of which depends on, well, how much you got for your estate sale. But I have noticed that on Twitter, people have engaged in a bit of this. They they write these long titles, Christ follower, wife of Bob, mother of three, marathon runner, canner and jelly maker, PhD candidate, conservative environmentalist, or whatever. Uh, They want us to know all the things that are on them that won't fit in the tweet. For a while, I put on mine, I'm a man who's come around because I like Johnny Cash, but I've even taken that off now. So one day, we go to this house, and we're wandering through, obviously, an older person who's passed away. And we are the modern version of people in the Old West stomping through burial grounds without knowing it and later relocating them without asking their permission or giving respect or acknowledgement. So we're tromping around in here. It's been listed in the paper. Items for something Vicky was looking for, for someone else. And So at least we had the respect of helping them recycle these things to other people. And what we found were the remnants of a life. All of us there sort of as vultures and buzzards, but some of the initial pickings were gone. Many of the choice pieces already had sold on them, 
and many others by the clean absences on the carpet had already been hauled away, so we were a little late to the game. But what was left was an interesting hodgepodge of useful stuff, stuff, some of it waiting for the Salvation Army to come and get, uh, so that people that have fallen off life's edges can fix it and resell it. Some of these were purchased memories, makers of a trail, most of it random and disconnected from the rest. My wife has often reminded me, go ahead and purge now because your life will be hauled off in black trash bags otherwise. But there are still traces in this house I'm walking through of a story, a commemorative plate that says Telco Credit Union 1986, a chief petty officer first class patch from the Korean War. It isn't on a shoulder, so I can only surmise it was a husband's moment in the sun or the worst year of his life, something he kept to remember or not forget. Or maybe she held on after he died. I keep meandering around, a three-inch Statue of Liberty, collection of Reader's Digest condensed books, four generations of music technology, 45s and LPs of Dino and big band music, Christian choir recordings, cassettes, eight tracks, and CDs, as one who has produced CDs, it's a little humbling, wondering, did they ever listen to these at all? But she died, bless her, before downloads. And so I could see the generations of her music. And there's a little pink ceramic angel that sits on the edge of a bare pine shelf with its head cocked to one side, arms extended to her knees, locked and resting on the knees, tiny wings, lifted up a half-smile as she surveys the debris of a life that leaves telltale markings of choices and stories. You know, angels are somewhere in virtually every estate sale in the South. Despite all of modernity's best efforts, angels bang around. Bob Dylan's song on New Morning came into my head. Three angels up above the street, each one playing a horn, dressed in green robes with wings that stick out. They've been there since Christmas morn. The wildest cat from Montana passes by in a flash, then a lady in a bright orange dress. One U-Haul trailer, a truck with no wheels. The 10th Avenue bus going west. The dogs and pigeons fly up and they flutter around. A man with a badge, skips by. Three fellas crawling on their way back to work. Nobody stops to ask why. The bakery truck stops outside of that fence where the angels stand high on their poles. The driver peeks out, trying to find one face in this concrete world full of souls. The angels play on their horns all day, the whole earth in progression seems to pass by. But does anyone hear the music they play? Does anyone even try? I'm wandering through this stranger's leftovers, walking through and measuring to change, clean out, remove, and rearrange. In a month or so, no one will ever know that in this little house, a couple came home from a war moved in and nestled around, made love and fought and 
tolerated each other, laughed and carried on what they thought would be endless routines of life, except they always end. Maybe sometimes they sat in those chairs over there in the den and they thought private thoughts. Same room, but living in different places, personal, deep, or angry, maybe never shared with each other. And this distance, this disconnect, was as close as they would ever be to another human being. There are too many things we read alone and pray alone, think alone, to ever really know someone else. But as I walk through, it is embarrassing in a way. This whole life is on display for anyone who takes a moment to look. Price to sell a whole lifetime of acquisition sails away in a weekend. It's an odd assortment of toys, old and threadbare and out of date, their value diminished in time, hauled off by strangers. They turn from intimate moments into peculiar and indecipherable mysteries when little humans hold them in interact endlessly with themselves, delighting over and over about something that disappears into the septic undertank where lost and unconscious shadows settle, never gone, often with no real meaning or purpose at all, but still there, just part of the getting there to rational and economic and purposeful and mature life. If these toys are now out of date and slightly discolored, They probably meant more to the adult grandchildren who came here after her funeral and looked at them again and smiled. Whenever they came through the years, no matter how old, to touch these little memorials, they reconnected with something important and long gone. Here's a snow globe from L.L. Bean. Picture plates of Westminster Abbey and the Tower of London and wall drawings of some unnamed Teutonic mansion tell me we went on a trip to Germany and England. We were here, and we went away. Two books of Andy Rooney when so much hair didn't grow in his ears, and he was cranky cute instead of just a dour old man. Coffee mugs of many Christmases and campy, tacky, kitschy, incarnations of faith in Jesus and the Baptist church they went to. And a mug of Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And at the bottom, Fort Walton Beach, a dish towel reads, Amazing Grace. And Sigma Nu, Winter 79 Formal. Amazing how one life can leave its traces unmistakable, tender, truthful, through every piece, though it be sold or given away, until nothing is left to say they loved each other here. But they did, and I saw it. That is something of what I think Lent might be. When I do it right, I slow down. Sometimes I just have to get off my devices or just to get out of the nature a little bit more or to move more intentionally, slowly. 
Stop being so PO'd in the car. Breathe deeper, not so shallow. Pay attention. There are weighty things all around me. I need to see them. And so, that is the journey. And here we are. Lent is not just a time to give up chocolate. It's a time to go into this house that we inherited from other people and to take a little time to sift all the toys and the memorabilia and the smells and the life. It is to walk back into an ancient book not like we are assembling a how-to or life for dummies. It's more like walking into an ancient cathedral. I remember when we went to England the first time. And we went to Yorkminster Cathedral and our guide, who was a history major from the University of London, took us over to the enormous columns inside that held up this sanctuary and he showed us where the stone color changed and he said this was likely when another generation of masons went to work in here you can see another change up here it's likely that this group here in the middle didn't see this begun and they didn't see it finished And they worked on it all their lives. And that's what a human life can be like. And that's what Lent can be like. It is an invitation not to improve yourself or to lose weight or to do something better than you used to. We get enough of that in capitalism. Lent is an invitation to a journey. I hope this might be a meaningful time for you. If you're driving in your car as you listen to this, maybe you'll slow down and let that guy in front of you that set his signal on for half a mile. Or maybe not be in quite such a hurry. Or maybe break a routine and do something different. Because you are filling up a house that is your life. What will be found there when they come to sort through? Have a great day. I'm Gary Furr, and this is the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. Thanks for joining me today. You can find my music at G-A-F-U-R-R, G-A-F-U-R.com. And you can go to my blog site for lots of other information and writings at GaryFur.me. G-A-R-Y-F-U-R-R dot me. Once again, thank you so much. Join me next time on the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress.